0: A Coffee in the Accursed Mountains.
1: Hello, I'm Elizabeth Gowing.
0: And I'm Rob Wilton. This is the first of our new series of podcasts in which we're going to be exploring gently and in a coffee based way the life and culture of Kosovo and Albania and Montenegro, the three countries that are grouped around and in some ways defined by the accursed mountains that stand between them.
1: We're hoping to bring you an episode every month of stories from the people who live here and stories of our own experiences and adventures here. We have blood feuds and filigree, we have ethnology and road names, we have karate and crisps.
0: We've been living and working in this part of the world for 14 years now. In all three of those countries, we've worked in the political systems, we've worked in the education systems, and society more generally. We have volunteered here. We founded a charity in this part of the world. We've published books about it, and we now need citizens of, of one of the countries.
1: And we've called it a coffee in the accursed mountains because we love the way that so much of such importance is done around coffee. Business meetings, marriage proposals, groups of any kind that want to really seal a deal will do it around a hot drink.
0: When I started working here, there was a colleague who I was really trying to get something done through. And each time I would go to him, and and ask him for some help with this. He would say, shall we drink a coffee? And my instinctive reaction was always, no, uh, stop trying to avoid work, stop trying to get out of this. We need to sit down and and talk about this thing we need to achieve. And and I would push this with with more and more uh, frustration and more and more insistence. And he would keep repeating, shall we go and drink a coffee? Uh, And it was only very, very gradually that I started to understand that for him, going and drinking a coffee was where we would really sit down and, and uh, come to agreement, come to harmony.
1: So what will you be drinking, Rob?
0: Oh, well, it's a good question, Elizabeth. Uh, I will certainly be drinking some coffee because it's Sunday morning and uh, it's one of my kind of weekend pleasures, is to make myself uh, a Turkish coffee uh, in the traditional way. Uh, and what will you be drinking, Elizabeth?
1: Now that's interesting. I'm not going to be drinking coffee because actually I've had a total of two cups of coffee in my entire life and I still can't get the stuff down me. Um, But I will be drinking, I have here a glass of mountain tea and that's what I'd really like to share some of my experiences and some of the uh, delicious delights of um, through the rest of the episode today.
0: Well I think we've totally kind of torpedoed the whole concept of the podcast from the start there, but it's an interesting diversion. So let's go for it.
1: (laughs) Um, Well, it struck me uh, this week when we were sitting with an Albanian friend of ours uh, in a cafe, in fact, overlooking the glorious uh, lake, the artificial lake in uh, Kukës, in the very north of Albania, right by the border with Kosovo. Um, we, we'd stopped in the middle of the drive from Tirana to Pristina, and we all needed a very welcome drink. And I, of course, ordered mountain tea. Mountain tea being uh, one of the tastes I have definitely acquired during these last 14 years. Um, And when it came, our uh, friend really turned his nose up at it and said, well, that's not real mountain tea. And that goes to the heart of one of many divisions between the Albanians, the Albanians of Kosovo versus the Albanians of Albania, the Albanians of the North versus the Albanians of the South, because it turns out there are two kinds of mountain tea. So the type that you drink very much tells, uh, tells other people uh, what kind of person you are, where you're from, and probably many other things.
0: And, and you've, you've brought a kind of uh, visual aid to the table today, Elizabeth. Um, and what, what I'm holding in my hand is a kind of a frond, Of mountain tea and this is this is basically it's a bit of stalk kind of five or six inches long quite bendy and every inch or so along this stalk the stalk goes through a a, a little flower it's rather lovely rather charming it's very kind of pale green leaves and the tiniest pale yellow flowers within the the cup of the leaves and, and this is one of our two types of tea.
1: Yeah, so what you've got there is a southern uh, mountain tea, which in fact um, is also, I discovered, served as mountain tea in Greece, uh, which makes complete sense since Greece borders Albania. But this um, has the correct name of Sideritis, but it's also known in English as ironwort. And I learned an interesting thing.
0: Tell us the interesting thing. Yeah,
1: this is from Wikipedia, Rob. So sideritis, obviously, the word sider links with words about iron, totally and obvious. that uh, that links to its name, ironwort. But what's not quite so clear is why um, it would have anything to do with iron. The belief was that if a warrior was injured in battle and had been cut by an iron weapon then sideritis, this mountain tea that you're holding in your hand, had the power to cure those wounds. So, you know, that's a good reason for drinking it. It,
0: it is a brilliant reason for drinking it, and it's a lovely, lovely idea.
1: The other kind of uh, mountain tea is actually far more familiar to us, so that's uh, marjoram or oregano, um, and that's what's people in the north of Albania or up in the accursed mountains. At the only time I have ever drunk mountain tea in Kosovo was right up in those mountains um, in the Rugova Gorge where when we were staying there for a few weeks back in 10 years ago. Um, And there every day we would have uh, margarine boiled up uh, to make a really lovely drink, which apparently is very good for your skin. Um, And well, the, the, the things that this is good for I I can't begin to tell you the things that this is good for. Try
0: try to begin to tell us, (laughs) Elizabeth.
1: Right, the things that this is good for. Uh, Well, it's good for all kinds of chest and coughs and sore throats and those kinds of things. It's claimed as being good um, against flu. No idea if that works for COVID-19, but I bet there are some people at least who claim that it does. I was told and rather hushed tones by a slightly mustachioed female friend of mine that it was very good for balancing the hormones. My goodness. It's also I found a recipe online which I have to say I've never heard anybody actually offering and good reason for that um, is that you mix this with a spoonful of butter and some honey and that that then has properties to cure well probably everything.
0: It does sound Somewhat revolting though, so there's that downside to it. <laughs> the idea of putting butter in tea.
1: Well, I think that's what they do in Mongolia, isn't it? It's, uh, yaks butter, so works for them. And I'm not sure going to be trying to that one. <laughs> I shan't serve it to you.
0: No. Now, the Albanian for this, and we have our drum roll for Albanian word, is chai mai.
1: Yeah, so chai. Uh, as in Indian kind of a universal uh, word for for tea and Mali means the mountain but uh, Albanian has two L sounds which um, the foreigner like this foreigner often struggles with um, if you use the wrong L sound and not Chaimali but Chaimali I think I've got totally that right. different then uh, what I've always liked is that would mean homesickness tea or longing tea or the tea of longing. Um, And it probably
0: does, knowing its many medicinal qualities, uh, officially cure longing and homesickness as well.
1: Well, maybe it cures it, but I think it's also the object of it. So I kind of like the idea that this might be the thing that you're homesick for because it's so evocative Uh with its smell and its taste and its ritual of serving. It's uh, evocative of, of the whole place. What I also think is uh, interesting about mountain tea is not just the phenomenon of drinking it, um, which is something that's a great social leveller, perhaps a bit like tea is in in Britain, but I think it's Bill Bryson who says that uh, it's the only thing that every class in Britain can can express enthusiasm for. The idea of stopping and having a nice cup of tea uh, brings out the best in everybody. Um, But in the same way, in classy cafes in the capital up to village communities where people have really not got very much to to eat or drink. Um, People serve this and it's sometimes served in tea bags, but more often, even in the classy cafes in the capital, it's served as a load of sprigs of, uh, whether that's um, marjoram or the sideritis uh, stalks. And sometimes that's put into a kind of cafetiere or sometimes they're put into a, a little strainer for you, but it's it's served still in a very natural state. Um, so it's like interesting
0: it. that the there's a very distinctive, or there seems to be a distinctive uh, difference between Kosovo and Albania on this. If one asks for mountain tea in a cafe in Pristina in Kosovo, you'll get confusion or uncertainty or no, or we've got some green tea or we've got some mint tea. Whereas in Albania, even far from the mountains, they'll be able to offer you some.
1: Worth saying though, if I can just insert a fact here, that 77% of Albania is mountains. So it wouldn't be very much of the country where it wouldn't be a local (laughs) product. I think the other thing that um, it makes mountain tea so important in Albania is that it is part of this economy of um, medicinal and aromatic plants, which is a surprisingly huge part of the Albanian economy. So 95% of the medicinal and aromatic plants in Albania are wild collected. So they're not cultivated. They're not coming from farms. They are um, often women and children, families going out into the mountains and uh, picking what they think are the the best plants and then selling them on to collection points who sell them on again and again. Um, But to an extent that this sector generates $28 million a year in export. Which,
0: it's amazing how you have those facts just off the top of your head.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, I am quite amazing. Actually, it's probably the mountain tea that I that drink. Probably it, is the mountain tea. It's, but the fact that actually I find most uh, striking is not the amount of money that it generates, but the number of people involved in it. So they estimate that more than a hundred thousand households are related in some way to either cultivating or harvesting these medicinal aromatic plants, and that is roughly one in seven households in the whole country so mountain tea is not just a tradition for drinking but it's a tradition for harvesting as well and uh, i think of that when i drink it too
0: it is again it's something which is unifying like you said that's quite powerful isn't it i, I think it's also striking for me the when we talk about the diversity of places where you'll find it and the chic cafes that you're talking about are a um, a type, something that, that everyone would recognize, and the kind of place that, in terms of its atmosphere and look, would be familiar in any capital city in Europe. At the other end of the spectrum, we're talking about literally huts up in the mountains and people living a, a kind of lifestyle which is, in many other parts of Europe, is, has not been seen for a century or more of... of uh, shepherds going up in the summer uh, for a few months to live in their, their high pastures with their flocks uh, and still making an offering, this kind of stuff.
1: Well, I'm going to sit down and have my cup of tea now, if I may.
0: I am enjoying, as you do, the the, the glasses themselves. They're, they're all served in this rather pleasing traditional tea glass, which is a, a short glass with a kind of bulbous bottom hasn't had the benefits perhaps of mountain tea itself (laughs) and then uh, flaring open at the top and it's like a kind of mini chemistry set glass or something but it fits very pleasingly in the hand.
1: You see I'm interested that you notice its bulbous bottom I've always thought that it's a slim waisted glass (laughs) but you obviously look at it a different way.
0: (laughs) I'm also remembering uh, so many occasions of the politics and protocol around drinking tea and getting this wrong early on. Because when you, you're served tea in a in a home traditionally, in one of the little glasses, and you're offered some sugar, and you can stir that in or not. And you therefore have one of these tiny, very pleasing little tin teaspoons. More tea is then offered to you. And I quite like tea, so so I'll have maybe a, another glass. It keeps on coming. And it was only later, after probably quite a few trips to the loo, that I found out that you're supposed to put your teaspoon across the top of the glass to signal that you've had enough. Anyway.
1: So I think I'm going to have my cup of tea now.
0: I think you should. I hope you would enjoy the many benefits to your hormonal balance and everything else.
1: (laughs) Thank you very much. that was a coffee in the accursed mountains you can find us wherever you get your podcasts please subscribe and rate us and join us on facebook and on twitter